Well, Teeny Beans and uh, Blue Jeans, it's the uh, Bob Cowan Podcast with uh, yours truly and uh, John. Hello, Robert. Good day to you. We spent all day yesterday with uh, Greg Millen and Eric Duhachik going through a whole bunch of stuff, but specifically game one of the uh, Stanley Cup final. I don't know if we have anything left to say, do we? No, but I will tell you, um, since we did our show, I have received 10 or 12 texts from people saying, boy, how will this make an impact in the United States? Uh, and my response was, how, how is it going to make an impact in Canada? Uh, it's just, you know, th- that's, that's an issue right now, is that, you know, particularly with this time off since when was, when was the last, when was the last game of the Tampa series Saturday? It's, it's going to be hard for people to get back into hockey mode again. It really is. Uh, and, you know, I think they have to hope that uh, game one is as wild and crazy as game one of Colorado Edmonton or game four of Colorado Edmonton in order to try to pique people's interest again. I think that's, that's what they need in this. And, and, and you know as well as I do, Bob, coaches at this point are going to try to make sure that it's winnable hockey, not exciting hockey. And that's going to be a challenge. Well, it's the point I tried to make uh, to you guys yesterday was, you know, that um, you've got two small markets and while they're both good teams, no, great teams, they're great teams. Yeah. They are teams that are known principally to a hockey fan. Yeah. And the objective of the postseason, and especially the final should be to enhance that audience, to grow that audience, to bring in people who are barely casual viewers and there doesn't seem to be anything compelling here. There certainly isn't anything compelling with the names on the front of the uniforms. No, but there are compelling personalities on both teams for but, the regular hockey fan. Well, but for the, no, for the devoted hockey fan, they know who these guys oh, yeah. are. The casual yeah. fan has no clue. Yeah, that, and, that's, and that's where these new, this new TV deal with Disney, hopefully, will, will turn some eyeballs towards hockey. Well, and you know what I said to you yeah, yesterday? Yeah. No, I know. I know. ABC I, I, is not what it once was. I would rather be on ESPN than ABC right now. I think you have a, you'll get a bigger audience on ESPN, even though it reaches a quarter of the United States, a quarter of the audience potential of ABC. Yeah. Well, we, we shall see. The other, the other issue for me is, is that we, we're going to play a game tonight, Wednesday night. Guess when the next game is? Saturday. Saturday. Oh my God. Oh my God. I, we got, you got to get into a rhythm. You got to get into something, into a regular constant routine, but to have an extra day off this early in the playoffs in the Stanley cup final to me is, I don't, I just don't understand it. Well, I assume it's dictated by television. I think it is too. Obviously they want Saturday night. They want to say they think Saturday night, uh, which is in the United States, more of a Death Valley than any other night of the week. On television. On television, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, so let's let's take the worst television night of the, of the week and put uh, the hockey game on there. I don't know how that enhances the National Hockey League's view of this. Well, it's supposed to be the best night in hockey in Canada, so... Well, yeah, but it is, it, it is the best night in Canada because it has, that's historic. It's, it, right. it's happened since, since the beginning of time. Since you, know you I mean? were a child, Robert. Since before I was a child. I mean, I grew up understanding that at nine o'clock, the right. hockey game would come on sometime, probably usually early in the second period, occasionally late in the first period. And often and, at the and intermission. You, you actually, and you actually had prayed for a fight. You hope there's a fight in the first period because maybe you'll get some action from the first period. And people are thinking that we're nuts when we talk about this stuff. Oh, no, it's true. Sa- Saturdays used to be a, 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 a joint in progress late in the first period, or as you said, during the intermission or well, it was, of the I, second I, period. I'll tell you, I, I'm sure I'm wrong at this, but the only time I can remember turning on the game at nine o'clock was when it came on and it was still in the first period was one night was the Leafs were playing Boston at Maple Leaf Gardens 11 nothing Bruins yep it was six nothing in the first period yeah 
<laughs> and so as a result, the game, the first period was still being played. Okay. So now you, uh, you, you, let me, let me tell you a story about that night. So uh, long before Roger Nielsen became captain video, long before anybody else was doing analysis with visuals, Punch Imlac and the Maple Leafs, may, when they did their contract with the CBC, they made a deal that they got a film version, a telecine recording of each game. And Punch would take parts of the game and show them on film to the players on Monday and Tuesday. So, so that game, the 11-0 game, which, by the way, Don Simmons was the goalie for the Maple Leafs. Yes, I remember. Um, that game, Imlac instructed one of his guys at the gardens to take all 11 goals out of the show and put them together just so that he could show the 11 goals to the players. So fast forward to 2001, I'm running Leafs TV. We get a copy of the 11, nothing game. We get a copy of the 11, nothing game. And I am ecstatic. I think this is fantastic. We don't have very much content. In fact, we have no content. (laughs) And, so I said, we've got to run this. We've got to run this game in its entirety. So about three hours later, one of the guys came back. He says, John. Oh, don't tell me. We've got a problem. I said, what's the problem? He says, there's no goals in the game. <laughs> <laughs> so we got the original copy, <coughs> the original copy of the game that, Punch, the had, that Punch, had Punch had cut, no, not edited, literally spliced out of that night. And by the way, uh, just so that, because I don't want to get an email again from uh, Don Simmons' family. Simmons actually played the next night in Chicago. And they won 2 nothing, didn't they? I think it was three, and he got the shutout. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, that's that's my my 11. I still remember, you talk about it. And, I mean, when the original six teams were there, it's not the original six teams, but the six-team NHL was there. I remember that Saturday night sitting on my father's knee, bawling my eyes out, bawling my eyes out. How could the Maple Leafs lose 11 nothing to the Boston Bruins of all teams? Well, and people should know that the Bruins and the Rangers generally were the two sad sack teams, the teams that missed the playoffs. That's right. Out of six. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, I so remember, I still, four. I still remember sitting there and just, distraught that the Maple Leafs lost 11 to nothing, 11 to nothing. Anyway, that wasn't well, a Stanley Cup final game, but I, yeah, I don't think we'll see an 11, nothing game for the rest of this year and the seven there, however many are left, but um, we, we might see. see a high scoring game. I'd be really surprised at that. You don't, you, you're like, you just think Vasilevsky's too good, huh? I do. Yeah. And I think, I think Tampa knows how to play. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm with you. And I, and, and if you look at them, they know how to grind it out. They know the value of one goal. They don't panic. Um, I mean, they, I think they really believe that the way to win in the, in the playoffs and especially in the final is two, one, three, two, one, nothing, something low scoring. Yeah. yeah. I, I think your point about not panicking is so apropos to this team has been through the whole playoffs. I still remember you talking about after game one of the of the first round, John Cooper, they lose five nothing to the Maple Leafs, and John Cooper's got his hands in his pockets, right? Never um, never never uttered a word, never no. looked the least bit concerned. Yeah, yeah. And, but if you if you allow Tampa to be in the game, maybe down one or tied in the third period. Look out. I don't think I think Tampa wins. I think I Tampa too. wins. Yeah. So it will be, it'll be fun to watch. Uh, I will be, I will be watching. Oh, I don't doubt that for a second. And neither does anyone else. (laughs) We know you have nothing else to do. You have no options. Um, I, on the other hand, have numerous options. Oh, yes. Yes. Right. (laughs) (laughs) However, you can only vacuum that lovely carpet twice a day. Well, the carpet's only nine feet by 12 feet or something. Okay. Three times a day. The rest of it's hardwood floor. And I don't care if there's dirt on that. Uh, The break and then back with uh, more. See you in a moment.
We're coming and Shannon back with you. Um, Blue Jays lose last night to the Baltimores. Um, and Moreno gets three hits. Yep. And Kirk plays last night as well. Jansen is on the DL. And Moreno clearly is ready for the major leagues. I'm not saying he doesn't have a lot to learn. He has a lot to learn. And it'll take him a while. He's not going to hit 750 every night. I'm not losing my mind here. But he's. this is not premature. He looks confident behind the plate. Um, he clearly can hit. And he can hit major league pitching. Uh, lots to learn. Mm-hmm. But this guy's not going back down. But but isn't this all about game man- him learning game management at this level, Bob? All of this, he is a lot, as I said, is a lot to learn. Yeah, and he's he seems to be the first to recognize that he has plenty to learn, yeah. and right now he's learning a lot of it from Kirk, who has played less than a season in total. He's played 120 or 130 games, and, and they're not very far apart in age. They're a year apart, yeah, and they they have been together off and on over the course of their minor league careers. Mm-hmm. The last few years, and they've been together at camps and and other stuff. So they're apparently they're they're good friends. But but if if Jansen doesn't get hurt, this we're not even talking about this yet, are we? Well, it's a really good question. I don't have. I certainly don't have the answer to that. Um, you know, and I guess we could get the president or the general manager of the ball club on this program, and they might not tell us the truth. And we, how would we know one way or the other? Um, there's no way to know what they would have done, and maybe they don't know what they were mm-hmm. going to do. But mm-hmm. under the circumstances, they made this decision, and it clearly appears to be the right one over a very short sample size. But what happened when, happens when Jansen comes back? Under normal circumstances, um, no team carries three catchers. But the, I thought a lot about this, and here's my synopsis. Why don't teams carry three catchers? Why has that never been more common? And the answer is, most of the time, catchers are not great hitters. Most of the time, the best you can hope for from a catcher is that he's a decent hitter. Russ Martin's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Great catcher, top of the, you know, highly rated by everybody, played in successful organizations, had a long career, decent hitter, mm-hmm. but nothing special. Didn't hit 40 home runs, didn't hit 280. He was a 240, 250 hitter that could, with a little bit of power, 15 to 20 home runs, I'd say. And I haven't looked at anything, so I don't know whether that's accurate or not, but I think it's pretty close. That's my sense of him. What do you have now with the Blue Jays? Well, Danny Jansen, over his first two or three years, didn't hit worth squat. He was a typical catcher. Right. Didn't have big power, low batting average, um, but pretty good defensively. Well, all of a sudden now he started to hit, at least hit for power. His mm-hmm. average is higher, but he's hit for power too. Kirk leads the team in hitting. Isn't just good. He leads the Blue Jays in batting average. And Moreno, based on his minor league stats, is the same kind of hitter. Right now doesn't have a whole lot of power, but they think he'll develop power. But he can get on base a lot. And all three of them are good enough, at least defensively. So, let me. Okay, so I would, and you don't have a DH. Well, I w- I was going to cha- challenge you on the defensive side of the ball. Is Kirk the weakest of the three? Not necessarily. No. 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 Marino's arm looks like it's a cannon. Yes. And Jansen has a pretty decent arm too. Yeah. So in that comparison, probably. But so so are, if if you're if you're the brass of yeah. the Toronto Blue Jays, aren't you sitting there, you know, over a couple of cold ones, saying, "How do we find a way?" First of all, if there was no DH, they'd be in big trouble. Um, it's, it's well, second, they wouldn't do it if there wasn't a DH. Well, and secondly, then is 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 there any way we can find another place for one of these guys to play? And who would be the best candidate to play somewhere else? And to me, it still points at Kirk. No, Kirk can't play anywhere else. Can't play at first? Everybody can play at first. You can oh, there play you at go. first. 
but there's so there there are too many candidates to play first base. There are too many other guys that can do it. But and they move them there to give Guerrero a night off, right? And give them a place where it's a little more comfortable, right? So you've had how many guys play first base? At well, least I, two I, others. I was going to say three, but yeah, you're right. Guerrero no, no. played there. My, but that, but my my Biggio my point, has played there. My point is, I don't know. Well, the the other option, and Perk talked about this earlier in the week, is is perhaps you take somebody out of the bullpen and 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 you you don't. I don't think you have to. You, you, you drop one. What do you? Well, what do you, what do you suspect? I would do, do that, John. I, I I would agree with that, but I don't think you have to because I think there's enough roster spots here. Look, at, you have an extra outfielder. Yep. Right. You got four yep. outfielders, so yep. you're all right there. Yep. You have an extra infielder in Biggio. Yes. So you're all right there. Boy, so now I, you go, what? Okay. No, no, that's fair. I mean, we're that's all fair. talking, we're talking, you know, if an injury happens, a catastrophic injury takes place, then you're going to have to make some moves. Right. But you can do that and you can cover in the short term. You got 20 odd guys down in Buffalo who aren't complete stone fingers. So in the sh- in a short term, if you needed to, you could bring somebody up. Probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have to play, but he probably could play. But remember, you've had three catchers on this roster earlier this year. Yeah, but they had an expanded roster. Remember, they had two extra spots for a period of time. I grant you that, but I don't think you need to create. I don't think you need to get rid of one of the catchers just because. Because in essence, two of the three are going to play every night. One's going to catch, one's going to DH. Yeah. And if not every night, virtually every night. Yeah. There may be the odd occasion where you you know, you know want to rest Guerrero, but you want to let him DH. I, I think that the, the, the question has to be, does this system with the three catchers, do you have enough insurance on the bench to pinch hit? That becomes uh, that's one of the key questions. I re- I remember sitting here with you talking about this, or even on the radio show talking about is where's that extra bat off the bench? Well, the Where- problem with that is John. Uh, traditionally, that extra bat has to be should be a left-handed bat because <laughs> the team is almost exclusively right-handed, yeah. and you're going to go to that guy when they've got a right-hander in and somebody coming up that doesn't hit right-handers as well. Right, but. You, none of these guys are left-handed hitters. You got three catchers. They're all right-handed hitters. Right. I'm trying to think of how many left-handed hitters you actually have on this team. Two? Well, yeah. You have. I think you have two left-handed hitters on this team. Which, so that's what you need right now. You know, you always need pitching. And now with Ryu down, you need pitching even more. You need another starting pitcher. Uh, Ryu down... Kikuchi not necessarily at the top of his game, you know. I mean, they're going to let him pitch, though. Obviously, yeah, yeah. But uh, that's that's. Well, so I think who, you when you get when you get to the end of July, I think you're going to start to hear yeah. significant rumbling about the Blue Jays trading one of the catchers for a pitcher. And the only thing I'm pretty sure of is it ain't going to be Mourinho. Oh no. <laughs> You went on a limb on that one, Bob. Well, that's no, the only yeah. th- look. There's no way. There's no. You way can make the no. argument. Kirk is hitting three twenty ish. Yeah, and looks really good. Yeah, and he's a baby. I mean, the two of them are are babies. You know, between them, they don't have 130 games. I don't think in in Major League Baseball. Okay, so so does that mean that Jansen's the odd man out in in Could July? Be. Could be. You know, because I I'm not sure if I'm if I'm building an organization if I have two 23 year old catchers or a 23 and a 22 year old catcher I'm not moving either of them. Well, if it's either Kirk or Jansen, yeah. If you're going to trade a catcher, that's who you're going to trade, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a good it's a good dilemma to have if you can find someone to do a deal with that can improve your starting rotation, or well, and hey, you might how be about a, how about a how about a left handed batter. um how about somebody how about i I gotta confess to you i'm not as i know people get their shorts in a knot over the lack of left-handed hitting and it does limit the manager or whoever is making the calls but i i I, doesn't bother me as much no the the only reason i think people talk about it is because 
at the end of the year last year, that's what Ross said. They were targeting left-handed, uh, left-handing, left-handed hitters. Yeah, well, you know, and and they they weren't able to do anything about it. You know, well, they didn't. Much. They couldn't get Freddie Freeman. Yeah, well, which in my mind was crazy anyway, because then you would have had to do something with Guerrero, like move him back to third, and then you don't have Chapman. Yeah, and I mean, who would you rather have at third? Oh, I no, mean, no, listen, you know, Chapman's I, I, starting to hit now too. So, well, exactly. I, I mean, I'm I'm from the if it ain't broke, don't fix it category. You know, that's that's my school, and and the infield, the only piece of the infield that was questionable was third base. Mm-hmm. But even I, you may recall this. I did not um, jump on Espinal as a suitable third baseman long-term. I looked at what he did defensively, and it was solid. Yeah. And I looked at what he did offensively. He hit over 300. Now, what he didn't hit was for the kind of power that traditionally comes with a third baseman. Right. And then you had Semyon disappear. So you had an opening at second. What, was that last year or is that in Texas? <laughs> well, he disappeared there too for a long time. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, but no, when he left and people were talking about, well, it has to be Biggio that plays there. Yeah. And if they hadn't got Chapman, I'm quite sure that's what would have happened. And there's nothing wrong with Biggio defensively. He's fine defensively. He's just not very good offensively. He, actually, he's, he's an interesting topic. To me, did did he just get swept up in the, we've got three former, we've got got three sons of former great players. And so we always lumped him in with Guerrero and Bichette and BG. I don't, I don't know the answer to that, of course, but I don't think so. And the reason I don't think that John is because when he was coming up, the organization was quite honest that they didn't put him in the same class as Bichette, that he was a fringe major league candidate. But over his years of development, he got better and better. Mm-hmm. He got better and better defensively, and he got better and better offensively. And he has not had a good year offensively. And, no. I, you know, his forte always was his ability not to hit, but to get on base. He seemed to have an extraordinarily good eye at the plate and could work a base on balls and work the count in his favor regularly. He hasn't been as successful this year at doing it. And I'm not sure I know why, but um, that's hurt him offensively, but he's getting plenty of opportunity to play. He seems to was, play almost every night. I was going to say fair to call him now, just a, a, a really good utility. That's all player. he is. Yeah. It's all he is. And I think that's all they ever, I don't think they expected him to be a, a, um, a, a utility player at the major league level. I think they thought it was 50, 50 that he makes the major leagues. Oh, okay. And when he did, he couldn't really find a home. Um, He wasn't good enough to beat out anybody that was on the roster. Even then last year. Right. And now he's, he's that versatile guy who can play almost anywhere. And he can, he's played. I don't know if he's played short, but he's played third, he's played second, he's played first, played first, and he's played the outfield. Yeah. Well, you, and, and, and he's you, capable. And and you do need that guy. But you'd like to get more out of the, you, you do. Yeah, don't, don't you think there always has to be one of those guys? Oh, on oh, your oh utility guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you would like to get more out of him at the plate. That to me is, I think, the frustration with him. The advantage of having a guy like him who can play multiple positions is. He's not just going to play once or twice a week. Right. You know, you can have a backup. Well, you can go the the route of having two or three infield backups, like one guy who can only play first base, one guy who can only play the middle infield, and one guy who can play third. Not if you're carrying three catchers. Not if you're carrying three (laughs) catchers, of course. But you teams used to go that route. Oh, yeah. Sure. So what you really want is a guy who has versatility, who really is capable of playing anywhere in the infield. Mm-hmm. And I don't, again, I don't know whether Biggio has, I can't remember him ever playing third uh, shortstop, but if they put him there, do you think he'd be a complete disaster? No, no, no. He'd be fine. I mean, he, let's face it. The, the, the best thing he has going for him is he has got great baseball DNA. He's got smarts. He knows how to play the game. 
And that's that's what that's what's got him to this basic point. Skills. Yes, absolutely. Sound basic skills. Good way to put it. Yeah. Anyway, so if I was actually going to bet, and I know this won't make some people happy, and it doesn't necessarily make me happy, um, I would not be surprised if Kirk is traded. Kirk. Yeah. Why? Because his value is so high right now. Yeah. And because he's, I, I think the organization would have some concern about having two catchers who are 21 and 22 years old who have almost no major league experience. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I think they would prefer to have Jansen back there. Could be wrong. And I think the market would like Kirk better. I think you'd get more for Kirk wow. because of his upside and his potential. Remember, you've got, what, four years of Jansen? Three, four years yes. of Jansen? Yeah. And the offensive numbers don't look great as a collective. No, but this they year. Yes, this year they look better. Yeah. But you don't know whether that's, we don't know whether that's a blip yeah. or whether that's sustainable. Um, he certainly looks a lot better at the plate. A lot better. In fact, I, I think that if you look at the turning point for the Jays, after they went into that terrible hitting route, Jansen was the guy that started it. Jansen was the guy that, you know, the, the, with that series of games in St. Louis. Well, when he uh, came back after that first injury, yeah, he all of a sudden, you know, boom, he was hitting rockets to left field. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ryu's absence, we, there's not much to talk about. He's gone for the year, and I would say there's a real good likelihood we've seen him pitch his last game for the Blue Jays ever. Well, this is the last year of his contract, right? Well, there you go. Yeah. That should tell you everything you know. Yeah. I would be, I'd be very doubtful that they would bring him back. I mean, I, he won't, I don't think if he has Tommy John and I don't know, I don't think they've announced whether it's going to be Tommy John or just a, a ligament deal. Right. If he has Tommy John, he's middle of next year earliest mm -hmm. and maybe later than that, given his age. And the fact that he's had so many recurring problems. So why would you sign a guy at his age where there's high risk for half a season? I wouldn't. No disrespect intended. Unless, you know, it, was, unless it was at a massive discount, Bob. I mean, even then, you know, even then, yeah. I mean, look, the guy's a $20 million pitcher. Yeah. He take, you know, he, a massive discount would be 10. I wouldn't. No, I'm, even, I'm even thinking more than that. More of a discount than that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah not, he, you know, he's, got, he's got to love to pitch then. They all love to pitch. Well, I don't know. No. I don't know. Yeah. And the other thing, why did the Dodgers get rid of the guy, this guy, who was at or near the top of their rotation? Um, well, they had they some got prospects. They, got, they had some prospects coming. I agree. But they also, they believed him to be injury prone. Because he had never made it through an entire year with the Dodgers without getting hurt. Right. And they didn't want to take that chance anymore. And that's exactly how it's played out with the Blue Jays. You know, I think he had one year where he was pretty much okay. But otherwise, it's nagging little injuries. You know, it's 10 days here, two weeks there, and now this big one. Which is going to cost him uh, the entire season. So I, I automatically when I read about the uh, the surgery, I automatically thought, well, Nate Pearson's on his way. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I have, you know, I'm I'm off the Nate Pearson bandwagon. Um, <laughs> when he gets here, I'll watch, uh, but I'm not taking the time or the energy to find out how he's doing. So is this uh, this stripling sp new starting position and until further notice? Well, there's no choice. Yeah, I know. On this yeah. roster, unless they bring somebody from Buffalo, but and look at. What has the guy done the last two games? He's, he's, I think he's got two shutouts, and yeah. I think he's given up like two hits. Oh, he, listen, he, he has been everything that they've ever wanted out of him. You know, relief, go into the rotation when you need him. He's he, he became exactly what they had hoped for in all of this. Well, he wasn't of the quality or the expectation of Ryu, and certainly not of the price tag. Right. But you know where they got him from? The Dodgers. The Dodgers. Sure. Where he was a starter for most of his time with them. 
And the Dodgers have had a pretty good ball club for as long as I can remember. So this guy, you know, we shouldn't be that shocked that this guy can pitch. He's not any more than a fifth starter. Yeah. Make no mistake about it. But he can be a fifth starter. And the fact that he's gone back and forth to the bullpen without complaining, I think is um has been beneficial, obviously beneficial and admirable on his part. Agreed. Uh we're gonna get to a bunch of other things here. I have no idea how much time we have left, but it's um Well, let's go to break. Well, we have twenty minutes left. You want to go to break already? That yeah, was we, a long closing segment. All no, right. no, we have two breaks to do, man. Oh, we still do? Yeah. Oh, this always happens when. Uh, I know you get on a roll. Well, no, we get when, when it's just you and I, I, I can't keep track of it all. Anyway. All right. <laughs> There's only three a, breaks. John okay, says I, we have to take a break. He is the uh, designated uh, executive producer of everything that he touches. So um, we'll do what we're told. There he is. He's poking at me. Back after these messages. All right, there. We've taken another break. I feel better now. We have one more I, to go. I was starting to panic. We have another one after this? Yes. One more. Oh, God. One more. Bob Costas is the latest to take a run at the, um, the live tour. He is <laughs> not alone. Um, and I must tell you this. I respect everybody's opinion. And they're, and they're right to have one. I don't disagree with anything anybody has said about the live tour. Either, I don't think there's been much positive, but if there was positive, if there was, you know, most of it's been negative, I'm okay with it. There's only, there's, the only positive is in about 16 or 17 guys' bank accounts. I suppose you're right. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I don't Charles think- Schwartzel won the first one. Come on, man. Um, what did he get? Eight million? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, jump. Char- I don't know what they paid Charles Schwartzel to join the tour, but I guarantee it wasn't a hundred million dollars. And, and Schwartzel's probably saying, "Do you know how long I'd have to play on the PGA Tour to make eight million? Well, and like in all likelihood. And by the way, uh, in I all can... likelihood, that's the rest of his career. So in four, in three days, he made as much money as he would probably made on the tour the rest of his life. You disagree? <laughs> no, I don't. And. I, I'm only, I you only have to play seven more events this year on the tour, on that tour. Um, and, I, and you know, it'll be interesting to see a guy like Schwartzel who, you know, splits his time and plays a few times in, on the European tour, what the European tour is going to allow him to do. Um, well, we'll see. I don't know if they're going to allow him to do anything. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, and so, I, I, listen, I'm, I, I believe in free enterprise. And politics aside, politics aside, I I find it. I, I think I think the commissioner of the PGA Tour, Jay Monahan, has rallied the troops. Rallied the troops. We have to be pro PGA. We have to be able to make sure that we we are the tour. And this is so reminiscent, Bob, of other sports at other times when pirate leagues showed up. It is. It, 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 it's well, except that there's a political ramification to there, where the money totally, is coming from. Totally. But we've lived through that our entire lives. And professional sports organizations have closed their eyes and blocked their ears when somebody came along to buy a franchise or do something that may have been perceived as politically unpopular. Correct. What about, what's his name? Is it Abramovich? Roman Abramovich, Chelsea, yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's had to sell now, but yeah. Well, yeah. Oh but- no, no. I listen. Listen, the Saudis. Correct me wrong. I think the Saudis own Manchester City. In you know, in, the, in 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 the Premier League, you know. I mean, this 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 is not this is not an isolated case. Of course, it's not. But the golf world has decided it is the co- the cause celeb. And we're gonna, well, it's going to ruin us. Well, I don't buy that. I really don't. Competition is good, Bob. Well, I, I'm going to ignore this competition because I'm not the least bit interested in it. And you know I love golf. And I watch virtually every weekend, no matter where they're playing, at least for some period of time. But I don't care about these guys. It, it, it's, it's, I don't care about, you know, with due respect to our friend Keith Pally, 
I'm not up in the morning watching the European tour or whatever it's called now um, with a bunch of guys named who I'm not interested. It's yeah. the minor leagues. I don't, right. I'm not you, you in, I don't want, have time you, for you, minor league sports. Generally you, speaking, you want the PGA tour. I want the best in the world. Yeah. And I, and I, and I want the best. By the way, the by the way so do the Saudis. That's what they want. They're never going to get it. They're never going to get it. Um, so anyway, so I support all these guys who, who are critical of the, the live tour and I get their position, but at the same time, I think talking about nine 11 as devastatingly tragic as it was talking about the, um, the journalist who was allegedly Khashoggi. Yeah. Killed. Not allegedly, not allegedly Bob. by this. Well, no, not allegedly. You can be 99.9% sure. I'm just using allegedly because I don't know for a fact that it happened. I'm not denying. I, I think there's every reason to believe that, that that's what happened. But in any event, these are all facts. I don't dispute any of them. But are these the sole reasons why the PGA the tour and others around and involved with the PGA tour should take this position. I, I, I think that's a little narrow sighted. I think they've probably looked the other way on all kinds of situations that have been politically displeasing. And this is just a convenience. This is the PGA tour defending itself against a legitimate foe mm -hmm. i don't think the foe can or will beat them but they view them as a legitimate foe and this has been an organization that has been uncontested throughout its career did the national football league like it when the afl was formed they did not no and did and, the and nhl like it when the wha was formed they did not but in those cases the players that went there did not abandon their leagues without economic cause to go. In, a, in essence, the vast majority of those, the players that went to those leagues came from elsewhere, came sure. from college, were cut by NFL teams or you know NBA with the ABA and on and on and on. We've seen expansion all kinds of times. In this case, the PGA Tour got their backs up like crazy. And I think way overreacted, way overreacted, including the commissioner. It's like in a, there's lots we know from talking to Zokel and, and others, there are a whole bunch of guys who are on the PGA tour now, or were on the PGA tour that would love to get answers mm -hmm. to what goes on inside those offices. And they're not being given them. Am I lying? No, no, this I mean, the examples you gave of the NFL and, and the, uh, the WHA and, and to a lesser extent, the ABA, we forget there were court cases all over the place in all sure this. There were. there were court cases, small court cases. I mean, I mean the USFL, remember the, remember the USFL took the NFL to court and won, actually. Won a buck, trebled. They, yeah, they won $3, actually. Yeah, that's <laughs> the idea, a buck trebled. <laughs> so... Um, this is all, in, in many ways, you have to wonder, you know, once this tour comes to North America, plays an event in North America, what the next step the PGA will do, whether it's hold it, hold its head, its head high enough to say we're not worried or does it push back and create more drama and then obviously more opportunities. For oh, legal I think we action. know the answer to that. They're going to create think more drama. Sure, well, they they're going to create more drama. They're going to they're going to get rid of all these guys. They're going to threaten. They're going to get rid of all these guys. And then I'm I'm predicting right now, any one of them that wants to come back will be given a slap on the wrist and allowed to come back. Won't be banned for life. The definition of slapped on the wrist, like five events, know, six months, maybe. Yeah. Something. See, I, yeah. They'll give them something just to prove that they have some level of credibility, but they're not going to turn their backs on their stars. And I'm not talking about, you know, Ian Poulter. I love Ian Poulter. No, but Dustin Johnson, uh, Bryson yeah. DeChambeau. You know, May, I don't even the think they care about Mickelson anymore. Mickelson's 51, going to be 52 years old. 
He's really not consistently competitive. He is a draw. I'll oh, yeah. give you that. He'll be a draw this week, Bob. Well, what's He'll really intriguing, I'll tell you what's intriguing to me. He actually got cheered in it during his practice round. I would have bet against that, John. He, but but that, it also shows you that the public is not buying into what the PGA is spewing. Uh, that You beat me to it. People just want it, you know, people just want to see golfers golf. You know, I don't, I don't, when somebody comes to the first tee, I don't sit here and say, oh, he's a Republican. Oh, he's a Democrat. I, I, I want to see, boy, he could hit the ball 312 yards straight down the middle. That's what I want to see. I don't, I don't care about their politics. I don't care about their, uh, their, 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 their desires away from the golf course. I don't. I want to see athletes perform. And, you know, but I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm in the minority. Well, no golfer has gone through greater public scrutiny than Tiger Woods. Right. Now, I grant you, he has not, to the best of my knowledge, committed a crime or been accused of committing a crime or anything that serious, but he has had significant domestic issues, shall we say, both married and extramarital. Well, let me, let me ask you this. If he and wasn't a celebrity, would we know about that? No, probably not. Yeah. But what what is the reaction to Tiger Woods when he comes back? Oh, Adoration. Now, it's amazing. Well, it's even amazing. Then, like a lot of people talk shit about Tiger Woods, you know, when the when when the situation with the with the the Escalade and the and the backing into the post or the tree and his wife coming out and having to e get him out. Elin, you know. Elin with the wedge. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of talk about that. But at the end of the day, did he get roundly booed? No. No, he, he lost didn't. a couple of sponsors for a couple of years, but they came back. And all the sponsors, almost all the sponsors, I think, of these guys have now bailed. For now. I know Rocket Mortgage was a big sponsor of Mickelson, mm -hmm. and they've bailed. I think they were the last to bail. Um, <laughs> I think but, but, DJ has lost his major sponsors, the biggest one being RBC. Right. And, uh, but that, and, but that was a slap in the face. That's what that was. That was a complete slap in the face. What RBC? Yeah. Because of the timing, because of the, the timing of, of when he jumped and, uh, you know, that, that, well, we'll see whether and, RBC and the files a, an action against him. Uh, that'll be interesting. Um, look, if he, I would love to know whether they were encouraged to make the announcement with RBC by the PGA tour. Cause RBC is obviously sponsors two events on the tour. There aren't many of those. Well, if you noticed on su on Sunday and with the uh, traditional uh, compulsory inter interview with the president of the sponsor, uh, they went out of their way to just laud how great Jay Monahan has been. Jay Monahan's leadership. Jay Monahan did this. And Jay I got Monaghan nothing against Jay Monahan, but I but the way that they've conducted their business in trying to sell themselves and deride the live guys, I think is way over the top. Isn't this a classic case of they doth protest too much? I be, I believe that's the case. How much time do we have left? About eight minutes. How come you know this? Do you keep track or something? Yeah. Oh, and we have to take have, another. We have we need I, I, another break. I, I used to drive. Used to drive people that I worked with nuts because I they would they would say, "Well, we got thirty seconds," and then twenty nine seconds later, I'd say, "Okay, let's wrap it up," and they'd say, "How'd you know that?" I said, well, you just you have to. It, it, it's a. I have a biological clock that understands this kind of stuff. That's all. Well, you should buy yourself a real clock, then you can just look at it. No. no. Um, <laughs> So we need, do we need another break here, Mr. Yes, we need it. Yes, we need another break. Okay, Please. we'll get to it. Um, Warrior Celtics. Um, I've almost given up on this one. I think it's yeah, over. Yeah. Uh, I think Warriors have proven themselves to be the better team, and I think they wow. will prevail, whether it's in six or seven. We'll, we got uh, to recue the tape about halfway through the season when somebody said the Warriors are going to win all this. So. I wouldn't have complained. Oh, no. 
know. I, I, I mean, I think Why, you're, 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 you're suggesting I'm taking you full credit. That. I'm taking full credit. Well, no, because nobody remembers anything you said, so we can't argue with you. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's my point. Uh, I know. That's why um, I had to say it just to remind you, because I know you don't remember what we did yesterday. A couple of pieces of soccer news. Uh, the World Cup sites in uh, for what twenty twenty six? Yeah. So yeah. So it's in North Can- America, right? Canada, USA, Mexico. It looks like Toronto and Vancouver for sure, and I think there's a third city. Probably, I, I would imagine it's Edmonton, but I'm not sure about that. Well, and I've heard that Edmonton's going to get get squeezed out. You do, huh? Yeah. Oh. Well, that's we're going to have Charmin on next week to talk about it. So. I, I, you know, you know me, I, I can't profess to, I don't break. You are a soccer, soccer insider, our soccer insider, lot, Bob McCown. I break a lot of soccer stories, <laughs> but I, I mean, I've been told that Edmonton's out. Wow. And after, that's, after what they did for us, what that fan base did for us and for our, for soccer Canada. Yeah, but December, soccer Canada isn't, isn't making the decision. No, I know, but there's, I know, but they, they can lobby. Well, I'm sure they have been lobbying and. Yeah. I, I would guess it would make some economic sense to have an extra game in Canada, but um, I'm told that that's not likely to happen. We'll see. Yeah. And, but Toronto and Vancouver almost assuredly will be in. Yes. And then Apple and MLS, Major League Soccer, have done a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, decent size deal, too, huh? $250 million base. Uh, the numbers grow based on worldwide subscriptions, Bob. And that's the one thing that's different than any other rights deal, media rights deal that you and I have ever seen, because everything's always done by borders, right? Canada versus the United States. And, and they've, but this deal is a worldwide streaming deal. Uh, and it's knocked uh, TSN out of the MLS world. It's knocked RDS on the French side out of the, uh, out of the deal. No ESPN or ABC anymore, uh, and it's completely Apple, but it's worldwide. And so, yeah, they obviously the people at Apple have done some math to say if we do this, if we create this channel, we can get a subscription base, and there's no blackouts. So if I'm a if I'm an MLS fan in Toronto and I want to watch TFC, I'm going to have to go to Apple TV to watch it. Um, and it's it, but it's going to be worldwide. So I'm. That's, I think, what, what Apple is banking on, that there's going to be enough soccer fans and, let's be honest, gambling fans worldwide that want to watch MLS soccer. Well, of course, there is, there is something you should note, and that is that you can gamble on a sport and not watch it. And, in fact, most people do it because most degenerate gamblers um, bet on everything that moves Hard to do can't possibly bets, watch then. everything at once. Hard to do prop bets, though. Well, yeah, and I mean, I know that's a part of it, but historically, it's only been a small part of it. But anyway, it, it, this Apple thing, you, you know darn well, as soon as this, this has happened, the ripple effect in the other leagues, you know, NFL is going to Amazon already next uh, next year for Thursday nights. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be, uh, the, not, we shouldn't be surprised the streaming world's growing, but this Apple deal is is the, the first uh, and is the tip of the iceberg. Well, It'll be really intriguing to me to see because um, this is, you know, obviously no disrespect intended. I guess there is, but it's inevitable. But it's third-class soccer. And, um, you know, if you're living elsewhere in the world and you can watch the best soccer in the world from England, Italy, mm-hmm. Spain, Portugal, yeah. France, wherever, where, Brazil. Oh, yeah, but, hey, Lionel Messi's coming next year. Big deal. So, you know, another geezer who's passed his prime. Going to sell subscriptions in a couple of countries. Well, that's what they say, but um, I just, uh, we'll see. Yeah, no. I I just don't, I I think it's a. 10-year deal too, Bob. 10 years. Yeah, I know. Two and a half billion, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 250 million a year. Over 10 years. Yeah. Well. Crazy. I think there probably are some other pieces to fall in that puzzle that we don't know of yet, but. Uh, if not, I think they're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, we'll take the break. We'll come back and wrap it after these messages. Uh, we're back. Uh, no one would no one would spend time with us today. So it's uh, just been Shannon and uh, yours truly. Mind you, if you've gotten to this point in the podcast, 
I imagine you've heard that. <laughs> That's right. And the thought of waiting for the guests to appear has probably passed you by. Well, well hey, how about your favorite hockey team, Bob? Uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, okay. Uh, they have a coach. They do. Another one. Uh, yeah. Bruce Cassidy gets hired. Shortest, uh, one of the shortest uh, firing uh, tenures of, uh, in recent years, I guess. Well, it's about a week. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, Boudreaux when he got fired in uh, Washington and hired in Anaheim. And on Anaheim, yeah, yeah, but uh, th that's well, a that's but a. But Cassidy a was considered a guy that would move, move as soon as he got fired. He'd move oh. at or to the top of the list, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, and and we we've all been waiting for Barry Trotz to make the decision to be the domino wherever yeah. Trotz goes, and then the rest of the coaches will line up. Will, will line up, and so and but we're you know we're now hearing that John Tortorella has been offered the job in Philadelphia which makes a ton of sense sure. for, for what they're trying to do in Philly. There's a guy that knows that part of the, uh, th that division in the NHL and has been working at ESPN this year, but has been dying to get back in. So that to me is not really a big surprise. So if those two jobs are done, there's still Winnipeg to come. Um, uh, there's Detroit. Steve Eiserman is taking his time there. Uh, there uh, Dallas taking their time. So there's, there's a few jobs still open out there and there still may be a couple to come. I still think that San Jose might be in doubt. And I still think that Florida might be in doubt. I'll tell you Tortorella in Philadelphia just makes so much sense. It's like, Doesn't it? th that seems like the perfect fit, the personality of the flyers. And I know it's historic and it really isn't relevant to today, but you know, they like aggressive out of the box, guys he'll be and he'll he's a perfect fit there oh by the perfect. way boston boston still needs to replace That's cassidy right. yeah so, no. and uh and cassidy in vegas should do a good job he's getting a, he's got a pretty good um group of talent to start with not many new coaches get that that's a good market for him that's a good market for him we got to get out of here well uh i assume it'll be somebody besides you and i it will be tomorrow yes sir thank you very much uh, for John Shannon, Bob McCowan, thanks for listening or watching. See ya.